you, Dick. And good morning, uh, everybody that's here, and good morning for everybody that's out there watching online. I hope you never feel uh, forgotten about or marginalized. We're just as happy you're joining us this morning. So two men are standing on a bridge, and one could tell that the other man was about to jump off. So he screams, don't do it. And the other man said, well, well, nobody loves me. And the first man said, well, God loves you. Do you believe in God? The man said, yes. And he said, great, me too. He said, are you Jewish or Christian? The man said, Christian. He said, great, me too. He said, are you Catholic or Protestant? The man said, Protestant. He said, great, me too. He said, what denomination? The man said, Baptist. He said, great, me too. Are you Northern or Southern Baptist? The man said, Northern. He said, well, great, me too. He said, are you Northern conservative or Northern liberal? <laughs> the man said, Northern conservative. He said, well, great, me too. Now, are you Northern conservative Great Lakes region or are you Northern conservative Eastern region? The man said, Northern conservative Great Lakes region. He said, great, me too. Now, is that Northern conservative Great Lakes region council of 1879? Or is that Northern Conservative Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? To which the man answered, Northern Conservative Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. To which the other man replied, die you heretic, and shoved him off the edge <laughs> of the bridge. Now I don't think that story is true, which I'm thankful for. But it does illustrate what can sometimes be a painful truth that there are some things that God never intended for us to be divided over. A guy by the name of Tom Rainier, a pastor, put a question out on Twitter and asked people, what are some of the things that your church has divided over? And the list that came back to him was interesting. It was things like uh, the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. Moving the clock in the auditorium, grape versus cram grape juice for communion, and deviled eggs at a church picnic. Somebody suggested they should have angel food cake to balance out the deviled eggs that they were having. So what are the issues that are facing us today? And perhaps what is the issue that's facing us today? I do believe there's an issue facing Churches at this moment, and as churches are grappling with how to navigate things like social distancing and COVID-19, how do we go about doing this? This issue that has come up is the issue of wearing face masks. Some might say, and maybe one church went too far to say, that Jesus would have worn a face mask too. Others say you're giving in to government mind control. There's epidemiologists at the CDC who are strongly encouraging people to wear both goggles and face masks, while epidemiologists in Holland have just said that you should not wear face masks. And I've talked with people at our church that feel very, very strongly in both directions. I can't help but believe that this is not an issue that God would have us divide over. And I want to talk about this subject. How can we keep the mask issue 
from becoming divisive. How can we keep this mask issue from becoming divisive? The passage I want to look at this morning comes from Romans chapter 14. We're going to look at the last half of Romans chapter 14. If you would please stand with me as we read uh, Romans chapter 14, uh, starting at verse 13. Romans 14, starting at verses 13, we'll go through verse 23. <clears throat> Therefore, we must not pass judgment on one another, but rather determine never to place an obstacle or a trap before a brother or sister. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in itself. Still, it is unclean to the one who considers it unclean. For if you, brother or sister, is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy by your food someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you consider good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God does not consist of food and drink, but righteousness, peace, joy, in the Holy Spirit. For the one who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by people. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for building up one another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. For although all things are clean, it is wrong to cause anyone to stumble by what you eat. It is good not to eat meat or drink or drink wine or, do, or to do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith you have keep to yourself before God. Blessed is the one who does not judge himself by what he approves. But the man who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not do so from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. You may be seated. So I'm continuing this. Put the slide in the wrong place. Continuing this series called Nothing New. We are bringing the scriptures to bear on the issues that are facing us today. Last week, we talked about the issue of racism. This week, we're talking about the pandemic. I'm actually going to spend two weeks talking about the pandemic. This week, talking about masks. Next week, talking about what should the response of the church be to government orders that come down. We'll go on to talk about a few more issues, including, is this the end? Are we living in the end times? Is there enough uh, data and, and events going on to definitively say this is it? We're going to talk through some of these things. But this morning, I want to talk about this issue of masks and what the scriptures call disputable items. We see it here in Romans chapter 14. I want to approach the subject this way. Uh, I want to talk about, first of all, what is the issue of the time? I mean, we just heard a lot about uh, meat and what you're eating and what you're drinking. I don't know that we're necessarily facing that issue right now, but we are facing this issue of masks. And there are principles that we can draw from in Romans chapter 14 to bring to bear on what we are facing right now. So I want to talk about then, whether or not you wear a mask, five principles to remember from Romans chapter 14 that I think are directly applicable to our current situation. So first of all, let's answer that, that first question. Well, what is the issue of the time. And uh, Paul's audience was struggling with freedom to eat food sacrificed to idols. Anybody have that issue over the past week? Okay, I, I doubt it. But this was a huge issue at Paul's time. Uh, they were trying to figure out, well, can I eat this meat or can I not? The problem was two groups of people had formed in the church in Rome. Uh, there were a group of people who believed that they could not eat meat 
that had been sacrificed to an idol. There were literal places, literal idols set up in Rome where people would leave meat sacrifices. And there were animal sacrifices that were sometimes consumed later and sometimes not. There was a group of people that said, we can't do that. There was a group of people that said, oh, I have no problem with that. So you had group A that, man, at any time there was meat available, they grabbed their fork, they grabbed their steak knife, they would go to town, they wouldn't care less where the meat came from. But then there was this other group. And it could have been two types, either of one or two types of people. It could have been recent Gentile converts who had just previously been worshiping those idols before they came to faith in Jesus Christ. Whose conscience was just telling them, man, I, I can't do this. I, I know about that idol. I worship that idol. I felt the demonic powers present around that idol. Or it could have been Jewish converts who had very specific dietary laws that they had just come, just come from. You know, their, their mom and their dad taught them what was clean and what was unclean, what you could eat, what you couldn't eat. And by the way, the theology you learn on your mother's knee is powerful. It may be right, it may be wrong, but it is powerful. I'm still looking for that verse that says that cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> I haven't found it yet. I think it's in First Hesitations is the name of the book that... So that was the issue of the time. There were those eating meat, and in this passage, they're referred to as those who were quote-unquote strong in their faith, meaning that their conscience would allow them to do such a thing, to eat this, this meat. And those who did not eat the meat were considered weak in their faith and had a more sensitive conscience. Now, our issue is different. But it's same in the sense that the scriptures do not condemn the wearing or the not wearing of a mask. The theory behind wearing a mask is to prevent the spread of coronavirus. In some cases, depending on what type of mask you're wearing to prevent coronavirus or, or from, to prevent you from getting coronavirus. And some people do or don't wear masks for, for health reasons. Some people do or don't wear masks because they, the, the science is, is either effective or ineffective in their view. And some people do or don't wear masks because they believe it's about governmental control. Everyone has their reasons. That still doesn't make this a black and white issue. This is still a grayish issue. So then, I want to take a closer look at the passage we just read a moment ago and then talk about this question of whether or not you wear a mask. There are some principles. I'm going to say there are five principles that come from this passage that come to bear on this subject. And remember, it's important that this does not become a divisive issue among us. And first of all, and this comes from verse 13, it says, don't be a stumbling block. Don't be a stumbling block. And let's look at that verse, verse 13. Therefore, we must not pass judgment on one another, but rather determine never to place an obstacle or a trap before a brother or a sister. So what does this mean? And now notice the therefore. That means it's looking back at something. It's looking back at verses 10 to 12, where Paul reminds his readers that God himself, has the authority to judge. 
Uh, and only God can see the hearts and minds of people to know why they are truly doing or not doing what they're doing. He knows what motivates people. Then we come to verse 13 with the command not to judge. Now, what does that mean? Because, frankly, uh, this phrase has been abused. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't call sin, sin, okay? When you see sin and you call it sin, you're not judging that person in the sense we're talking about it here. And God has called the church to be the instrument he uses to bring Christians to repentance. But this rather is saying to avoid a sort of a, a contemptuous superiority or a feeling of self-righteousness. Now, what do we mean by this contemptuous superiority? By the way, these are equally bad. Uh, and maybe you've got a bent towards the former, you know. Maybe, if you're going to be honest, you look down on someone for what they're doing. You see someone driving a car with a mask on, and you're kind of probably laughing to them or elbowing the person next to you. And you say to yourself, that poor deluded person, they think they're preventing coronavirus, but what if they're just forgetful? What if someone they care about has got a compromised immune system? So that is this first part, this kind of feeling of contemptuous superiority. Or maybe you're the self-righteous type. You know, you look down on people that you don't believe are keeping the rules the same way you are. Some people have been told by doctors not to wear a mask because of a medical condition they have. Do you feel the need to stop and question everybody as to why they're doing what they're doing? Instead, what does this verse say to do? It says, determine never to place an obstacle or a trap before a brother or sister. So in the case of Paul's people here, there were some who believed it was wrong to eat meat that had been, in their view, tainted by idolatry. Uh, don't try and convince them otherwise, he's saying. If, if eating that meat could sway them to the old way of doing things, don't to do otherwise. You see, this is why we have to be very careful with Christian liberty. It can't have an effect on people. You don't drink alcohol around someone who has a problem with alcoholism. That is love limiting a liberty that you may feel that you have. Um, if someone is or isn't wearing a mask, if you're concerned it's a government conspiracy and where it ushers in government control, okay. You get the idea. It's not mandated in Wyoming to wear a mask. You go to Montana, it's a different story. If it were mandated, then we'd be having a different conversation. It becomes a Romans chapter 13 conversation as opposed to a Romans chapter 14 conversation. By the way, we'll be talking about Romans chapter 13 next week because it comes to bear in this issue of government orders. So... A good question to ask yourself in light of this, this first, um, first statement we're making is, is my firm stance on this disputed matter and are my firm actions a stumbling block or a pitfall to my brother or sister in Christ? Are you taking such a stand that you're trying to push someone out of a position that their conscience is telling them to hold? Let's keep going. These, these are all interrelated. Secondly, don't hurt your brother. Don't hurt your brother. This comes from verses 14 and 15. 
It says there, I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in itself. Still, it is unclean to the one who considers it unclean. For if you, brother or sister, is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy by your food someone for whom Christ died. So he goes on now, and, and what's going on here, and this is connected to the previous. What is verse 14 saying? That in disputable matters, okay, matters that the Bible is not clear on, that if your conscience is bothering you about doing something, don't do it. It's simple as that. And some of the people of Paul's time felt that freedom uh, to eat meat, they, they felt the freedom to eat meat sacrificed to idols, and they were touting that freedom in front of others. And what Paul's saying, you are not loving people if that is your attitude. And here's the piece that is so countercultural. The culture says, scream at people until they come around to your way of thinking. That's a very American idea. But not in this passage. If someone is really distressed over whether or not to wear a mask, and boy, this is countercultural, maybe put one on when you're around them. I love what one commentator says about this. One of the most important points in Romans 14 is something that Paul does not say, that the weak in faith must change their view. He makes clear that he does not agree with them, and by labeling them weak, he implies also that they have room to grow on these matters. But he does not tell them to change their mind. He does not berate them for being immature. He does not tell them to get with the program. Oof. Maybe we don't berate people who have other views than we do, especially on social media. Two questions to consider here. One is, can I allow myself to be persuaded that I am correct on a disputed matter without trying to convince another who thinks I am wrong about this matter? And then secondly, am I walking in love or am I destroying a brother or sister in Christ with my stance and actions? So what do we do instead? Number three, build your brother up. Or you can say your sister up. Build your brother or sister up. Look at verses 16 uh, through 19. Therefore do not let what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God does not consist of food and drink, but righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. For the one who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by people. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for building up one another. Now Paul makes some more assertions here. He says, don't let what you consider to be good be called evil. And now he's, again, he's speaking of food here. And all food was declared clean in the New Testament. That came through a vision to one of the disciples that all the food became clean in the New Testament. And he's saying that God's kingdom is more than food and drink. So here Paul is defending the stronger faith person who, who eats the meat. And he's saying that we have this freedom in Christ. But I want to zero in on what it says in verse 19 there. It says, pursue what makes for peace and for building one another up. So you and I and all those Christians are, are part of a different kingdom. Okay, you know, we're physically here on earth. 
right? And most of us, if not all of us, are probably U.S. citizens. However, but my main citizenship is not in the United States of America. It's in this other kingdom. It's in this kingdom of heaven, which I believe to be a whole lot better than the one we're in right now. It's characterized by joy and righteousness, and we're given this vision of a great place to be. By the way, the church itself should be a picture of that heavenly kingdom that is to come. Have you ever thought about what you may be doing or saying as to whether or not you're being an agent of peace? This past week, I posted an article on Facebook. It was written by Ray Majoran. He wrote a book called Unoblivious. It was a picture of um, India and China and people living out their lives there and what it looked like. He's, he's just an incredible uh, Christian thinker. Uh, and he believes that Christians are being grossly distracted in the current moment and in the circumstances in our world. In that article, he, he said this. He said, listen, I know that you think that the entire world needs to hear your opinion on politics, COVID, masks, school and business openings, conspiracy theories, and everything controversial, but the truth of the matter is they don't. In fact, I would argue that in most cases it does more damage than good. If you're going to burn a bridge with someone, do you really want that to be the bridge you set on fire? Would it not be more beneficial to spend your energy on encouraging people, helping them, uplifting them, supporting them? I believe that's exactly what Paul is saying here in these verses. And some questions to think about and ask yourself. By the way, these questions appear in the, uh, the Tennessee Tribune. They were submitted by a pastor at, at River Heights Baptist Church. And, and that's where I got these. One question, do I think that God's kingdom stands or falls on this disputed issue? Or do I believe that the kingdom of God is more than this issue? Righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. And then am I willing to sacrifice what I think is right about a disputed matter in order to promote peace and build up another brother or sister in Christ? Build your brothers and sisters up. And then uh, don't damage the work of God. Don't damage the work of God. This comes from uh, verses 20 and 21. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food, for although all things are clean, it is wrong to cause anyone to stumble by what you eat. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything that causes your brother to stumble. So when Paul wrote this, the verb he's using for destroy indicates something that was happening. He was addressing an, an issue that was, that was going on. And then, so what is being torn down here? What is it that's being torn down? That is, the people themselves are being torn down. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, We are his workmanship, created in his image, to do good works. So don't wound someone's conscience. You know, God blessed us with a conscience. I'll never forget something uh, Ravi Zacharias said. He said, you know, uh, physical pain protects the body. In a similar way, the conscience protects the soul. Don't do things. Don't push through your conscience to do something. Uh, you don't want to go desensitizing it. And God will adjust it if it's, it may be hypersensitive. It may be that something your conscience is telling you not to do uh, is, is okay. But you know what? Don't take it upon yourself to try to fix somebody else's conscience. 
Again, we're talking about disputable issues. We're not talking about things that the Bible calls right and wrong. Those things do exist. That's not what we're talking about here. And you know, uh, you may wear a mask, but don't try to shame someone who doesn't. The science is all over the place on this. Again, we have an epidemiologist here that works for the CDC telling us to wear a mask. In other countries, they've got probably equally smart epidemiologists saying, don't wear a mask. I don't know. I wear one. I speak to a lot of people. I, I, I don't, if I can keep from, uh, if I can prevent someone from getting it by, by wearing a mask, I, I do. But you know what? That's between me and God. It's not my business to shame somebody or, or vice versa. And, and, and all of these epidemiologists, they're, they're all smarter than me. They're all smarter than me. They're all more educated than I am. They don't agree on this. So what do I need to ask myself? Am I tearing down God's work by taking too strong of a stance on a disputed matter? Am I tearing down God's work? Don't tear down somebody and damage them over some... Don't tear someone down who God is building up. And then finally, don't criticize or parade your liberty. Don't criticize or parade your liberty. Um, this comes from verses 22 and 23. The faith you have, keep to yourself before God. Blessed is the one who does not judge himself by what he approves. But the man who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not do so from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. So in these last verses, there's an, there's an emphasis on trying, on not trying, I'm sorry, an emphasis on not trying to influence someone with a different set of scruples than you may have. Uh, and, and he's expressing here that someone who has made a decision on something, for our sakes, we're talking about wearing masks here, or not wearing them. It says that they should be happy in living out what their conscience is telling them to do. In other words, you're not judging yourself on the decision that you've made. You're not a soul divided. Because then look at verse 23. If you doubt what you're doing, then you're not, then, then what you're doing isn't springing from faith. If you doubt it, you've got some question as to whether or not God is happy with this. Um, you're being distrustful. So in, if you're in doubt, don't. So there's two important truths that come from these verses. One is don't criticize yourself for the decision that you've made. Don't criticize yourself for wearing or not wearing a mask. At the same time, don't flaunt it in front of people, the decision that you've made to wear or to not wear a mask. A couple of questions, actually, uh, one question then to ask yourself. Am I willing to allow myself to not feel guilty for holding to an opposite conviction of others as long as I am not a stumbling block to others? Am I willing to allow myself to not feel guilty? You may have a dear friend that has a different position than you do on this, that you love very much, and, and frankly, you're at odds. Are you willing to not feel guilty over it? At the same time, not bring the hammer down on them for not having the same position that you do. 
So, I want to conclude and to say this in regard to masks. And by the way, in that previous verse, one of the, one of the key tenets as well was it says, the faith you have, keep to yourself before God. Keep to yourself before God. In light of that, humbly and quietly take the action your conscience allows. Humbly and quietly take the action that your conscience allows. Um, you know, we want to be known uh, as a loving church. Do you know that the, the, key, uh, the key to growing churches, they actually say, and they did a survey of about 8,600 churches, is whether or not it is, it is perceived by people as a loving church. And we don't want to let an issue like this make us an unloving church, certainly not towards each other. That is, it's not, it's not a good witness. But I want to close with this, uh, this image. Uh, it, it, football season is almost here. Hallelujah. Amen. Those of you, I got some thumbs down on that. Uh, so you may or may not be a football fan, but there was two teammates who played with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, named Martin and Incognito. And these two football players ended up getting into it. Uh, one ended up leaving uh, harassing and bullying voicemails. Uh, Incognito left these bullying voice voicemails uh, to Martin. He threatened to kill him and his family and, and claimed all of this was just locker room talk, just the way guys talk to each other. But Martin didn't get the memo that this was just locker room talk. And we don't know all the details. But it seems that the relationship obviously became toxic. Although they had a whole lot of reasons to be friends. And, for example, they were both football players. They were on the same team. They had the same coach. They were both offensive linemen. They were both big guys. They were both millionaires. They were starters. They both wanted to win. But somewhere along the way, both of them forgot they played for the same team. And they started treating each other as though they were on different teams. You and I have many more reasons to honor each other than we do to dishonor each other. We have the same owner, the same father cheering us from the press box, the same savior that scouted us out and forgave us, the same spirit within. We're operating out the same playbook. We have the same purpose. And we're all going to the same place whenever this is over. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, give us clarity on these issues. Lord, prevent the devil from getting in the doors and causing division among us over something that you would not have us to divide over. Lord, whatever people's position may be, I pray that they would have a, a happiness about it. Lord, they wouldn't judge themselves. Lord, this is a difficult and challenging issue. And we don't all agree. But Lord, we have so many reasons to lovingly embrace each other that far outweigh our momentary opinions on something controversial. Lord, help us to remember that truth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross, for saving us from our sins. And it's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.